Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I turn to biblical stories and the basics of our faith to provide insights to help us live faithful and fruitful lives. I come from a Christian perspective, but try to make my messages accessible to people of all faiths and to spiritual seekers. Perhaps I should say a word about how I choose the biblical themes for each week. Although I'm not tied to a particular religious tradition, I make it a practice of using the weekly biblical texts of the Revised Common Lectionary, which is simply a three-year cycle of Bible readings used by many churches as a basis for worship. The reason I do this is to avoid promoting my own personal agenda. I vary from these assigned readings, however, when current events or social issues demand attention. This week, I am using the assigned gospel reading, Luke 6, 27-38. The theme of this difficult teaching of Jesus is loving our enemies. It's an important text, but not one that promises an easy or comforting message. This reading is a part of a sermon that Jesus delivered to his followers. Last week's podcast on the Beatitudes and Woes came from the equally challenging first part of Jesus' sermon. So now I feel obliged to return to it in order to do the whole passage justice. Jesus said, But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the grateful and to the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Here ends the Gospel. In my family, we throw the word love around pretty generously. 
Every night before we go to sleep, we say, love you. Every time my wife and I hang up the phone with our daughter, we say, love you. And she says, love you back. Sometimes we don't even mean it. We just say, love you. Now, you might think that such an automatic and unthinking profession of love is superficial and meaningless. I don't think so. To the contrary, the routine repetition of the L word bears witness to the fact that it lies at the root of our relationships. Our familial love is unconditional. It's a given. It's where each day and each inter interaction begins and ends with a profession of love. Now, according to Jesus' teaching from today, however, this would be classified as easy love. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Fortunately, we're not saying I love you to accrue credit, so we'll just keep on saying it. But Jesus is pushing us to expand our love horizon, and it's far from easy. The phrase that jumps out of the middle of this teaching, like a jack-in-the-box, jack is, love your enemy. Love your enemy borders on the oxymoronic. Aren't our enemies, by definition, those we don't love? The application is worse. Do good to people who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for people who abuse you. If somebody hits you, invite them to hit you again. And if somebody steals from you, give them a ride to the pawn shop. In other words, take every natural impulse for reacting to ill treatment from others and do just the opposite. How many ways should I love my enemy? Let me count the ways. What Jesus is describing here is the type of love that God has for us. Now, that's fortunate for us. Live like a cheat and a scoundrel, and God says, love you. Take God's name in vain and break every other commandment, and God says, love you. Eat your fill at every meal and go to bed each night without giving thanks to God, and God says, love you. Crucify his son on the cross, and he says, love you. And the day that you die, God will say, love you. You see, God practices a really hard kind of love. In so doing, sets the love bar awfully high. I've preached on and taught this passage many times over the years. So many times that I can predict the reaction that it's going to elicit. Many of us, when we read this gospel, initially will pick a fight with Jesus' words because they're just so darn impractical. Sure, those are nice words, nice sentiments. But if I love my enemy, my enemy is just going to walk all over me. If somebody strikes me, I'm not going to give them the chance to strike me again. And when somebody attacks us, our family or our country, we're going to fight back. As Merle Haggard sings in one of his aggressive early songs, 
When you're running down our country, Hoss, you're walking on the fighting side of me. You don't want to walk on the fighting side of me. A good example of the impracticability of living out Jesus' words can be seen on the world stage right now. As I'm writing this, Russia has amassed hundreds of thousands of troops on the borders of Ukraine. They have a lethal force positioned surrounding the country that could at any moment unleash unimaginable suffering and death. The nations of NATO, the United States included, have promised swift retaliation against Russia should they initiate the invasion. Note turning the other cheek. The reasoning goes that the threat of violence, and it's not an idle threat, will deter Russia from acting and thus save the lives of many Ukrainians. We can't and we won't turn the other cheek. In the modern geopolitical context, Russia is the best example I can think of to wear the label of en enemy for the people of Europe and America. Although relations between Russia and the West had thawed following the fall of the Soviet Union, our nations are quickly approaching the level of antagonism exhibited during the Cold War. You know, if WW2 taught us anything, it's that we must act to defend ourselves and our friends against our enemies. And our enemies are very real. Jesus knew what he had had to say would not be easy for his audience to take. After the first part of his sermon, the part that I talked about last week, he begins our lesson today by saying, for those of you who are still with me, he knows he's going to lose some of us. But let's not be too quick to write this lesson off as totally impractical and worthless. Although we often find ourselves in a position as a country or as individuals where we will feel compelled to defend ourselves and fight back, listening to what Jesus has to say may be able to put us into a position that we don't have to defend ourselves, at least not as often. Jesus knew the conditions in the world in which he lived. His purpose was to bend the arc of history in the direction of the kingdom of God. And there are some very practical actions that we can take in that regard. First of all, Jesus is not speaking of love as an emotion or an affection for our enemy. When he talks about loving our enemies, he is saying to act in particular ways toward them. For example, we can do good to those who hate us. I have a friend, Mary, who came to me upset one day because her sister said that she hated her, never wanted to speak to her again. They exchanged some hurtful words on the phone, didn't speak to one another for over a year. Eventually, Mary decided that she valued her relationship with her sister and didn't want to throw it away. On her sister's birthday, she sent her a card and a small gift. And even though she did not receive any response to her gift, Mary didn't give up. 
She invited her sister for Thanksgiving, which her sister declined. Then she sent her a Christmas present. Two weeks later, Mary received a box of fruit in the mail. Now, a somewhat impersonal gift, but still it was a positive sign. And soon after that, Mary's sister called on the anniversary of their mother's death, and the two of them talked and reminisced for hours. Because Mary returned love for hate, they were sisters again. They both won. Now, I know, it doesn't always work out that way. Hatred can become a persistent force in some people's lives. Sometimes we'll have to pry the hate out of someone's cold, dead hands. But Mary told me, I'm glad that we got back together. But I decided that I would keep on loving her, whether she responded or not. I couldn't change the way she acted, but I could change the way I did. So here's one of the practical lessons. We keep on committing acts of love, no matter what. One of the reasons that Mary had been so persistent in her commitment was that she stopped to think about why her sister was so angry with her. While Mary enjoyed a happy long-term marriage, her sister's life had been made up of a series of failed abusive relationships. She needed someone upon whom she could focus her anger and resentment. And that insight allowed Mary to give her sister what she wanted and needed. Love. If we attempt to empathize with our enemies, if we try to listen to them and understand why they hate us, we may be in a position to defuse that hatred. International conflicts and hatreds are complex, often send back, extend back generations, centuries. The situation between Russia and Ukraine combines ethnic differences, conflicting economic interests, and memories of centuries of killing and war. The relationship between Russia and the United States is still based on the fear of nuclear annihilation that came out of the arms race initiated after World War II. We are enemies. We hate each other because we fear each other. I have friends who have family both in Ukraine and Russia, um, as well as other embattled countries in the region. And when I think of them and what they have been through and what they are going through, it gives me some motivation to love all of them. When we get to know those who threaten us, we can see them as people just like us instead of faceless enemies. And we're much less like to hurt other people and look for ways to reconcile. It is true that Jesus' admonition to love our enemies is sometimes impossible in practice. We live in a broken world. We can, however, look at Jesus' prescription for love as the touchstone to strive for in our relationships, all our relationships, good and bad. When we start out our interactions with others, personal or global, with love ya, it's less likely that we will move on to hate ya 
and receive a hate ya in return. Those who follow Jesus are to live as God lives. As Bible teacher Sarah Heinrich puts it, those who follow Jesus are to live as God lives, mercifully and generous beyond expectation, beyond comprehension. The norm for the world is what sinners do very well indeed. They love, lend, and do good. In our own day, it would be a joy if even the way of sinners were broadly lived out. But for disciples, for God's people, loving, lending, and doing good are all about generosity that does not draw lines or boundaries based on the recipient's responses. It is good to keep in mind that love in this passage is about willing the good for another and acting on that will. So let me go back to what we are told was going on as Jesus began his teaching and why the people kept on coming out to him. Luke says, The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out of him and healing them all. The teachings and the presence of Jesus was powerful. The proof was in the pudding. They were effective. Although those teachings were difficult, the people, at least some of them, kept coming to him, even though those teachings got him strung up on a cross. The teachings and presence of Jesus are still powerful today. And even though the teachings are difficult, even impossible at times, we will keep on following because we know that we are still in a need of healing. Our world is in desperate need of healing. Until we can love our enemies out of existence, our healing will never be complete. So I have a new mantra for us to follow that we can never say too often. But you know what it is. Love ya. To our friends and family, say, love ya. To those with whom we disagree, say, love ya. And yes, to those who seek to harm us, we say, love ya. In the words of a favorite song of mine by folk singer Tom Rush, love ya, love ya, love ya. Till the day I die. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. May God continue to love and bless you. And until next time, love you. I don't know how high the sky. And what I know is I'm going to love you. Love you, love you, love you. I don't know when the mountain's gonna crumble And I don't know when those seas will run dry When the moon will turn blue, babe, I haven't a clue But I'm gonna love you till the day I die Now sometimes the days will be dark and cloudy Sometimes the nights be long and cold Sometimes our road will be rough and rocky But we got silver and we got gold and we got gold we got love and we got silver 
and the stars above Diamonds and pearls, silver and gold I love you when you're young, I'm gonna love you when you're old Sometimes the days will be dark and cloudy Sometimes the nights be long and cold Sometimes our road will be rough and rocky But we got silver, babe, and we got gold And we got gold, cause we got love And we got silver and those stars up above Silver and gold and diamonds and pearls I love you, love you, love you all around this world told you I don't know how deep the sea is, babe. There's no use in asking me how high the sky. One thing I know for sure is I'm gonna love you, love you, love you, love you till the day I die. I love you, love you, baby, till the day I die. And I love you, darling, until the day I die.